Hello and welcome to the APM podcast brought to you by the Chartered Body for the Project Profession. The focus of today's episode is the people side of change, including the challenges associated with enabling teams to thrive and bring about meaningful change through projects. To understand more about change management, APM Senior Business Development Manager Gavin Spencer sat down with two project professionals from the life sciences sector. Saab Hoskinson is the Senior IT Programme Manager at Thermo Fisher Scientific and Joe Stanford is Head of Corporate Portfolio Office at Health Education England. Listen on to hear them chat with Gavin about bringing people on a change journey, the importance of starting with why and the role of neuroscience in project success. Thanks for uh, taking the time out uh, to speak with us today, uh, Joe and Saab. Thank you. So uh, we're talking change management today and project management, and uh, they're both areas that I know are very close to your heart. So before we get into the uh, uh, the main part of the session, how about we take uh, just about two minutes each just to uh, introduce uh, uh, yourselves, if that's okay. And um, Saab, can we, can we jump over to you first? Thank you, Gavin. Um, so my name is Saab Hoskinson and um, currently work at Thermo Fisher Scientific um, within the corporate division, leading the IT, corporate, legal and uh, real estate portfolio. Crave started 17 years ago um, within testing um, as part of a sandwich year whilst I was studying at Microsoft and uh, it sort of took off from there really realizing that um, I was kind of eventually in the wrong kind of profession as I was more kind of strategic than detailed and um, moved into project management 15 years ago. I am qualified in Prince 2 ADCAR and Actually, there was a little story around why I went into the following qualifications, and that's organisational TA, for which I studied part time for four years. And given that I am in project management and have been, I think change has been an integral part, um, an underlying foundation to any of the um, projects that have been delivered, which we'll move on to shortly. Fantastic. Thank you. And uh, Joe, uh, if we can go over to you, please. Hello, uh, I'm Joe Stanford and I am head of the Corporate Portfolio Office at Health Education England, uh, which is the education commissioning arm of the NHS. Um, I also uh, have been leading a programme to develop the uh, project and change profession in healthcare. And uh, uh, my background, I, I started off actually in the arts. My first career was as a lighting designer in the theatre. Um, and I only realise now quite how much that influenced the way in which I work uh, with my team and how much of a collaborative production team kind of uh, a dynamic I, I've created and um, sort of encouraged others to create because it is a, a very uh, collaborative and uh, future focused way of working. Um, but I've worked in the private sector, I've worked in central government and uh, for the last nine years I've been working in the NHS and uh, I'm a chartered project professional with the APM uh, and something I think is, is really great for people to be able to work towards uh, but I'm also a fellow of the APM and development of the profession is a, a real driving passion for me uh, and in terms of change management I think this is a whole area that needs a lot more attention. It's really about how do we take people on the journey of change and how do we uh, uh, engage people? What are the ways we go about it? And, and this is an area that I think could do with a huge amount of investment in thinking, development and, and collaboration. Fantastic. Thank you both. And um, 
just to add a, a bit of a side note, so this uh, podcast is a part of a series of uh, activity that APM is running, really to raise the awareness of project management uh, within the life science, pharmaceutical and healthcare sector. So we're really excited about the campaign and the direction it's going, the traction it's starting to uh, uh, gain. So really excited about this uh, this session. And uh, let's, uh, let's really start off and uh, jump in with uh, what your definition is when we talk about change management. So... Joe, should we should we go to you first and then Saab? Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so for me, I mean, there are definitions around change management, um, and I think it's about what we do about it, not what we necessarily agree that it is. It's how do we make a difference with it. But change management is really the uh, the people side of change. So it's not the the technical product development. It's about the people, the processes, the ways of working. Um, it's the end users, how you get people to deliver uh, the the new thing that you're creating and how do you make it become sustainable. And it's it's the process for taking people on that journey uh, from from my perspective. Fantastic. And um, Saab, what's your take on that? So I think change management for me is um, right on point to what Joe is saying there, right? It's such an exciting topic and I think it's such an integral part of our personal lives as well as our organisational um, drive towards, you know, our vision, etc. So I think that for me, um, you know, change is about identifying and addressing, you know, what it's not working or what is starting to strain at the seams a little bit because one day it did work and now you know as we sort of progress through years and, and years of um, economical growth um, you know what's starting to strain a little bit and and, and really looking at um, you know air focusing on those kind of areas and looking at what we need to improve going forwards. And to Joe's point, you know, it's 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 people that deliver change and it's people that deliver projects. And, you know, a lot of the time people come to um, a solution that needs to be in place. And when we talk about solution, people talk technologies and it's just so much more than technologies. It's about the people, the processes the industry and the market change that we're having to deliver to and making the world a better place to live in and also the cultural changes that then need to go alongside the change within our organizations because we don't just put a change in place and and hope for the best and hope it sort of scales to our future growth and supporting that you know change we need a fantastic leadership behind us which i'm sure is a different topic um and a different podcast for you there kevin but uh you know making sure that um it encompasses all those areas and that's just a few right that we've mentioned here um there's loads of tools and techniques out there but really it is about the people and have we got the right skill sets in place to understand you know what we're looking to change why is it a problem and really kind of breathe that in and and, and really look to move forwards um with a really good team in place going forward so that's for me in in, in my context fantastic that's a brilliant summary i remember reading a quote once i think it was from giles darwin that read it's not the strongest or the most intelligent who will survive but those who can best manage change and i thought that really encapsulate the points that you uh, you both uh, made there um so every project from my perspective delivers in one way or another but let's maybe talk briefly about why projects fail to deliver the uh, the intended value so 
it, do you think there's uh, too much greater focus on the process and technique and maybe uh, not enough uh, to, to, to understand the people side of change? I, I think this is a really critical point. Um, and I, it concerns me that we focus on uh, the, de the, the binary split between success and failure because I, I think very few projects fail to deliver anything. In that case, they've successfully delivered something. But the, the, the real critical point is, what is it? Why are you doing it? What is it you're intending to achieve? And are you actually achieving the value that is actually required uh, uh, ultimately to, to, to make a difference to your environment, to your customers, your, your service users? Or, or, uh, and the, the, the problem for me with focusing on product product development in terms of project delivery is that doesn't mean that you're actually achieving your outcomes. You've created something, but if nobody's using it, you haven't created the value. And if people aren't engaged with it, uh, you haven't actually made a difference. And I think we need to shift the focus much more to um, measuring the intended value. So what value are we trying to create? What And how do we measure that? And a lot of that is down to uh, the, the amount of use that the people are using your products for. So um, if you develop a, a, an app and only 10 people use it, but you wanted a million people to use it, you've not created the value that was intended. Um, and I think, uh, so So Tim Creasy from ProSci, he, he coins this really well. If you think about uh, the, the, the number of users that you want to engage and that you want to have using your new way of working or, or change their behaviours or processes, um, the measure of the value is measuring the number and the, the, the extent to which they are actually engaging. Um, and, and you can do that by looking at, at the data in terms of the end users, not the product output. Um, and in order to do that, we need to really understand and be able to measure what that intended outcome should be. Um, what's the value we're trying to create? How do we measure that? How do we know that, that people are using it, engaged with it? And this really isn't a project um, function because the project's often finished by the time a lot of the embedding of, of the product takes place. And uh, in, in my world, in, in, in the public sector and healthcare, we tend to separate out project management and change management on sort of fairly big, proje complex projects because the products and the, the processes have been delivered, but the change manager is there to ensure that the value is created by embedding and implementing them across the environment that we wish to, you wish to influence. And so where I think we aren't achieving sufficient value is because we're not putting enough focus and emphasis on all of the effort and, and activity that needs to take place on the change management side, which is around uh, engaging, influencing, uh, collaborating and embedding uh, the, the products that are being developed so that the value can be generated and measured and then the success ultimately defined. Right. Okay. That's uh, that's really interesting. What what are your thoughts on 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 what uh, Joe just said, Saab? I think it's um, absolutely spot on, and I'm glad you mentioned the Prosiad uh, car piece of it because I think that um, for those that haven't been on that, it, it is about creating that kind of awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, and reinforcement. Right. So behind any project, a project will only ever start off because there is a need for that change, because a company is invested in that change, they need that um, to be implemented. Now, 
when we look at change, um, you know, and we look at exactly what Joe has said, we shouldn't bucket these into failure or success, right? It's about kind of every project will deliver to a certain degree. The question is, is it a six week project or is it a five year project? If you are delivering to the original scope and the original brief to what we said on a five year project, then something's not right. Yeah, we, we live in a market trending, changing environment. So for me, when we look at projects failures in one way or another, the, bis the fact that we go back to the business case and we revisit it is absolutely fundamental to why we have steering committees and we have teams and we build that culture within our team to actually speak up about when things are not working to the original brief. When we look at the success of any project, absolutely spot on in terms of what was the level of adoption of that system, of that process, of that change, and listening to our end users as early as possible right at the start when we're building the business case is absolutely fundamental and building those relationships with them. If I was to take the knowledge that I, I'm ADCAR trained, I'm organisational um, TA trained. You know, I know Joe's um, trained in neuroscience as well. I'm Prince2 trained. You can take all those qualifications and they will give you a level of training and tools and techniques um, and chartered APM as well. You know, I think it's really nice within those chartered APM elements that we are starting to build the people element piece to it and start providing fundamental training to our individuals around what are the wider pictures that we need to wider wider skills sorry that we we need to be looking at and i think it's those softer pieces that are absolutely fundamental to anything being delivered now you can have a team that delivers 100 miles an hour and are absolutely exhausted because they are so focused on the delivery, which is more transactional. Or we can have build teams that deliver projects that are successful, that have got rewards in place, that have kind of, you know, allows that kind of open and safe space to change and adapt. And that's what ADCAR really looks at, is look, looking at that, the stakeholder mixes, have we got the right people pe um, pieces involved? You know, have we spoken to them? Have we got stakeholders, you know, engaged early on, you know, buying into the change so that we, we you know, we can all talk about what are and feed into that change and build that change. So I think, you know, ultimately people deliver the change. And, you know, what that future state looks like is really important to be able to visualise as a group and as a lead um, and, and start setting that in, in stone quite early on. And as a point of contact, kind of go back to it. So when we do kind of get a bit more involved, I think when this question, you know, initially you asked, Gavin, you mm. know, I, I thought about me and Joe and I thought, well, Joe's primarily from the public sector and from the private sector if we were both given the same brief the same set of we're both trained to the same level you know it would be interesting to know how different the outcomes would be because the way that joe would build her team might be very different to some of the skills that i'm looking for in my mm. team the environment that we set both of our teams up against you know um are we going at 100 miles an hour or are we going to break this up so the word agile comes in a fair bit these days in organizations but that's just an approach of delivery right um 
the product you know joe's mentioned you know when we then look at the product development well yes there is a level of product but really we're we're looking at that business case and the original problem and the area that we're looking at and saying how is that area going to develop in the next five years and how sustainable do we want to make this solution as in people processes and technology um as part of the brief that we are working on. So it's a lot more rounded in that sense. And I think that there is no such thing as a failure in any project if we are addressing the organization and the market need now, and we have the right people and we're training people to skill set to deliver. Fantastic. Yeah, that's really interesting. So really what, what we're talking about here is kind of teams, people, process markets, obviously individuals having the right skills and communication is absolutely uh, paramount here so uh, i mean how how do you really bring people on uh, let me rephrase that how do you bring people on you with a change journey if if if, if you're going down that route are there any techniques or uh, uh, tips that you can you can share uh, yeah so um and it builds on some of the things that Saab was just talking about, um, and, and I'm, I'm sure she, she'll talk a little bit more about this in, in terms of uh, the, some of the methods and processes out there. She's mentioned sort of ProSci and the ADCAR model, uh, and she talked about Agile. And, uh, and, and again, we're working in a very complex, ever-changing and uh, uh, very difficult environment now. It's very uncertain, you know. Uh, we all know the kind of VUCA uh, uh, definition and we know that actually looking at how we work within this volatile and certain complex uh, and ambiguous environment means that we need to adapt the way in which we work to fit both the sector, the the kind of change that we're trying to do, but also the, the changing environment around us. Um, and and there are great tools and, and techniques out there. So uh, Melanie Franklin, she's developed an agile change management uh, uh, method so that instead of looking at agile product development, it's about agile um, uh, collaboration and agile change uh, outcomes. So it's measuring the outcomes rather than the product development. So so there are there are really great tools out there to to support um, people going on that journey. But for me, the, there was still something underneath that that was really preventing us from uh, understanding why and understanding how people engage with change. And so you can follow the process and yet still fail to achieve your outcomes. And that, that took me down the route of looking at understanding neuroscience. So, so neuroscience being the, uh, the, the science that looks at how the brain works and how it works both from a, a chemical and a, and a physiological and a, a biological uh, way that sort of says, um, actually, if we are uh, uh, suddenly afraid because we think that a change is going to happen that's going to have a negative impact on us, it might put our jobs at risk, it might change how we work, it might make us vulnerable then there's a, a chemical and a, and a psychological uh, impact that then prevents you from thinking logically. Um, the fight or flight instinct, the, the chemistry that, that, that makes you feel anxious, that gets your heart pounding, that sense of the adrenaline that, that's rushing through you. And all of that kind of stuff is the stuff that stops free people from being open and confident and comfortable and creative. And yet we, if we want people to go on a change journey, we need them to be in a positive mindset. 
Um, so understanding neuroscience and understanding how to engage with people and, and the different ways in which people will respond and how you can adapt how how you engage with them, that gives people an insight into um, being able to uh, support people to get into a positive mindset and a positive way of thinking that creates positive chemistry uh, and uh, a positive mindset. So there's a lot of work that's been going on around neuroscience um, and, and the impact uh, that that has on uh, project management. Uh, Carol Osterwal, she's uh, just having a book published right now around uh, neuroscience and project management. Um, and the, there's some really useful insights into understanding for project managers and change managers and those that are leading it, how we can uh, adapt the way in which we approach change and how we can work with people to get them to go on a positive journey. I think everybody's familiar with the Kubler-Ross change curve, you know, the one that sort of takes you down into the um, uh, fear and denial and then sort yeah. of anger before coming out the other side into sort of a positive acceptance and and adaptation and part of our role is to be able to understand where individuals are on that journey because you can't treat them as a group everybody is an individual and have their own set of uh life experiences that create uh, their response that is unique to them so so for me the thing about the change journey is understanding how people are potentially going to respond, uh, working uh, to create a, an environment or, or a way that is supportive that gets them into a positive mindset that allows them to go on that journey in a positive, engaged, creative and comfortable way. Because everybody's journey is individual uh, and everybody has to uh, engage and choose to go on that journey. You can't make people go on it. So, So for me, understanding the neuroscience that underpins the, how people uh, work and how people think and respond is really critical to then be able to understand are people coming with you and what else you need to do to support them to to engage positively in the change and to, to help them to get in a place to go uh, to, to take that journey. That's fantastic. That's really interesting. I've, I've never really considered the neuroscience side of things. And uh, Bowman's in the uh, um, when we upload the podcast, we'll put details of Carol's book in the uh, in the link section uh, there. So, um, but um, Saab, what's your uh, take on uh, on how you bring people on uh, a change journey? You're not going to believe this, but I think I'm very similar to Joe. I think we're long lost sisters for some reason here. Um, I think absolutely spot on, um, Joe, in terms of when you look at Kubler's um, change curve, that's more about the individual and the feelings that they go through. You know, you look at ADCAR and that's all about the information, enablement of, you know, all of our stakeholders. And I think that I was on a similar journey to Joe, which is, you know, you kind of implement and use all the tools and techniques, but there's always something, fun, something really sort of fundamental bubbling underneath um, and you can use all the processes and techniques out there but I think that the actual psyche of the individual is absolutely key and you know it's funny because you know I I struggled a couple of years with a particular um, mind frame of a business analyst you know I'd, I'd, we'd build a brilliant plan we'd really understand the kickoff and you know we'd come out of it and I'd do my one-to-ones and you know, I'd go to business analysts every now and then, you know, passing on a water cooler. How is it going? And, you know, they just they just didn't understand the question, you know, on the plan. Like, what part do you mean? Because 
naturally their brain type and their psyche is so far in the detail that they've got this beast of a question now and, and you're kind of asking at a high level and what does this mean and I remember at the time going to my manager going I just, I just I'm really struggling with this group and a friend of mine actually um, you know advised on going on a um, psyche course and and I did I started my journey on transactional analysis which is about you know the theory of the personality and the systematic psychotherapy of not just personal growth but personal change as well and it was as I was going through that journey did I realize you know you've got theories that are about the personalities the communication you know between you and the person that you're working with you know you can deliver the same message but in a different way will they understand it the relationships that you have with the individuals and and how much of you as a person you know growing up from child to adult are bringing yourself into that organization you know what feelings are you bringing in if you've had a, an experience in childhood you know that has been more kind of you know, a parent has said this and you've gone off and done it, you're more likely to probably bring that into the organisation. So I think it's kind of understanding the individual that's on your team. So I'm very sort of, you know, when I build my sort of, when I come back to the question that you ask, Gavin, you know, how do you bring people with you along the journey? It's understanding the team that you want to bring, the person along the journey um, and really building that kind of relationship with them and understanding what does safe space mean for them? You know, is it psychological? Is it physical? You know, and I think the other element to this is building that trust and honesty where, you know, people feel comfortable enough to say, hey, I've made a mistake on this. Right. But it's not up to just that person to resolve that mistake as a team you build that environment where you all step outside your roles and you you help resolve a problem and I've had many a programs at the moment that you know we we, we seem to be cookie cutting this in some respects in our organization where we are starting to do that you know we're building teams where we are going to make mistakes you know setting up a program and saying this is going to be perfect we're going to follow the plan it's never it's never a good way to set up a team is where there are going to be changes we are going to realize that you know when we get to design we you know we may have missed it that's fine let's let's figure it out and let's come back to data so I always bring people along the journey from a data perspective understanding you know there are some projects where there might be stretch goals for them so I always speak to my individual team members and try and understand what their development plans are with their manager um, each year so that if I can give them the opportunities within my programs or projects um, that will allow them to you know go hey I've ticked that off or I now want to you know progress why not giving them the opportunities to grow as individuals within your projects and programs giving them the visibility um, is absolutely key um, and supporting them right so I think the biggest factor in all of this and, and Joe touched on it is being there as a leader to kind of you know support your teams and when your teams are you know really thrashing it and really going through this yeah you create an environment that you just go right down to let's let's take some time out let's enjoy our wins too far and giving them some of that breathing space is absolutely key so when you take what we've just said and you take it within an organizational context it's very different to if you are delivering a project to somebody that's a shop down the road versus 
uh, an NHS organization or a global organization because now when you're working in a global organization you have another level of complexity as well you're working with cultural changes time zones um, you know you're working with different attitudes and different kind of you know takes on you know how I may have run a project versus another person may have run a project you now need to build another level of relationship with that person to understand what some of their history and experiences are and come to a like-minded way of working. So in a lot of global organisations now you will have the roles of relationship managers and I find that they're absolutely key and fundamental to kind of helping us understand some of the cultural gaps as well and and I think it's absolutely fascinating when you play in that field because bringing people along the change whether it's you know, UK or global or, you know, the finance department in a, in, a, in a startup, you're still working with people. And so understanding people and what they may need to do or what may they may need to change, they need to be changing in a psychological safe space and working with them to understand some of their fears and hopes around, you know, how do they want, how do they see this? project or program changing lives or changing the, the playing field that they're working in and I think the other element is is as a leader you you know working to deliver this change that it's not just a framework that we're now following yeah it is about the change all the way through from the minute that anybody initiates a project all the way through to change and then also thereafter yeah, we don't just deliver a project and go, there you go, see you later. You know, um, we have to manage our end users expectations because now they're looking at a whole new world of you've just switched us on to this whole world. We don't want an element of surprise. So as much information you can provide early on. So there are very little surprises throughout that journey. And that's absolutely fundamental working with the leadership to, you know, cascade and move those messages around and, and having a supportive leadership is absolutely fundamental to a lot of the programs that I work with. And I'm lucky to have that, um, you know, to be able to have that relationship with them to, you know, raise any issues and know and have the confidence that they are going to be resolved or I'm going to resolve the issues for my teams. So having that trust, that honesty, you know, those individuals are able to come up to you and and provide them with that growth mindset and playing field more than anything. I try and make my projects as fun as possible. <laughs> but um, at the same time, you know, we, we do have so many challenges around that. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, even when you mentioned working on a global scale with the different uh, um, uh, communication styles and, and individuals, that, that's just a challenge on itself. But um, yeah, really interesting um, when, when you talk about creating that comfortable environment and obviously identifying the drivers. Um, Joe, I'm going to come back. My next question is going to tap into something that you said a moment ago, which is you mentioned the why and what's the why. And I, I always like to kind of focus on that. So I think my next question really would be to, 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 to both of you, how, I mean, how can you measure the impact that you're having on, on people and the outcome? And that really links into to, to, to that, what's the why? So um, who would like to pick that one up first? Uh, yeah, I will, if that's, that's okay. Um, and uh, Saab's mentioned some really critical things uh, in her last sort of comments about this. Um, and it all sort of, it really all needs to be underpinned with, um, why are we doing it? And people won't buy into a process. They won't buy into a, uh, you know, uh, a 
a, a financial element or a, a particular, you know, uh, way of doing something, you know, you say, oh, well, we need to do this differently. What they buy into is uh, a sense of purpose. They buy into a cause uh, or a belief or a sense of belonging. Um, and and so, so the starting point with yourself and with your team is why. Why are you doing this? What's what's the purpose of it? What's the aim of it? What is it that you are going to achieve? Because um, people people will will rally to a cause, and they'll say yes, that's something I believe in. That's something, and it's an emotional response. It's something uh, personal, um, and and when you're starting out with this, you've got to have a really clear sense of why. Uh, why is it important? Why is it going to make a difference? What's the the the, the impact it's going to have both on on the world, on your uh, customer base, or you know what's what's the value to them and to you in doing it? By setting the why, you can bring people together to help to shape the how and the what. Um, and if you've got that ultimately that keeps you connected, that you have that ultimate cause, the, that we, we're going to work on this, this is a really important thing, this is why, it helps you get past the individual uh, uh, conflicts that you might have where people are wedded to particular ways of working or particular, you know, what they want to do or particular ideas. Because if you can bring people back to the thing that joined them together in the first place, which is the why are we doing this, um, it helps to to get beyond the individual and to keep people focused. Um, and therefore, it, it becomes not a personal thing if your particular idea isn't followed or that particular way of working isn't going to be the one that we take. Um, if you keep people focused on the why and then you set your measures and outcomes linked to that why um, and how do we know we've achieved that, that's the thing for me that is really critical in terms of setting the team up to start with, the team dynamics. But also they're going to go out with conviction and with passion and with purpose when they talk to um, stakeholders and uh, customers and the end sort of users. And they're going to take that passion and, and commitment and then going to infect others with it. They're going to infuse that. Uh, and that's what gets people to join in. That's what gets people to go on the journey is that sense of, of belief um, and belonging and wanting to be a part of something. And, and for me, there's some, some techniques that you can use to help to get people shaping that in a practical way. Um, we've done some work uh, with Dr. Tammy Watchhorn, who uh, facilitates training around Lego Serious Play. And what we've done as a, a group uh, and uh, around the Project Profession Programme, we did this a couple of years ago to start with, we brought uh, volunteers from across the NHS uh, who'd never met before. They just said, yeah, this is something I'd like to be involved in. Brought them together for a two day workshop and collectively over that two days, uh, we built uh, the project profession out of Lego. We built the component parts, we built the connections, we built the challenges and the issues and everybody played a part and contributed and helped to shape that. And what that meant was at the end of those two days, um, we had built respect, we'd built understanding, we'd built in different perspectives. And it meant that we had a, both a very holistic and well-structured uh, uh, model for what we wanted to achieve. 
but everybody in that room had collectively contributed to it and therefore ultimately bought into it and it's like yes this is what we collectively are going to do and that sets the tone for us then going on that journey to collectively deliver on that uh, and that was a really effective way of getting people to to build to buy into the why to help to then build the what and the how you're going to go and go forward and, and deliver on it um, so so Simon Sinek's work start with why is a really important place mm. to start don't start with the how or the what, start with the why. Get yeah. people together, help to shape it, and then you can work out how you're going to take that forward. Fantastic. Excellent. And Saab, have you got a, a view uh, on the why? Yes, absolutely. I think I think there's just, it's such a large topic, Gavin. I don't think we've got enough time, but uh, yeah. I think uh, to Joe's point, right, um, she mentions the five, we we often on our programs um you know we have an, an initiative called the five whys yeah in our in our process improvement programs any programs that we start we will start off with the why 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 then we'll move on to let's map out how we work today let's really understand and quite often that's a revelation in its own right because you're there doing one piece of your job you're not always fully aware of the end-to-end -end process that you are working to and what is achievement that alone will bring people together in a workshop so I always use my business analysts to work on these kind of sessions and really spend the time and understand why are we doing this you know and, and make sure we've got the full problem statement there map out the as is now let's look at the to be world We've got some high level requirements. Let's understand our 2B world. And I think, to Joe's point, you can do that in isolation in certain groups, but the more people that can feed into that process in its own right will help buy, start to buy in and also unravel anything that we you know, may not have initially captured. We're human at the end of the day. We're not going to know all everybody's pieces. So the more we can encompass those folks into those sessions, the better. And they will feel part of making and creating that to be world. So when we talk about how can you measure that, giving them the platform and the open opportunities to be involved and how we shape that to be world is absolutely critical because everybody will bring in different experiences. We've got people at our organisation that have been here 45 years, you know, they will bring experiences that we have got no idea about or problem statements and i think that when we look at these pieces and, and when we do these activities really focused on who needs to be there and what do they bring to the table and ultimately um you know joe touched on this bring in a team dynamic that means that they're adding value you know they're moving the needle they're helping us improve the way that we're moving forwards and they've had a part to play in that because their experiences have added value is absolutely key and as a group you know having that energy in the room and having that belief and and knowing that i have got the best team here to give give us what we know today and will also help me drive any changes going forwards is actually a proud moment for any of the change managers or any of the the project managers because actually you're all working collectively 
Now, one of the things that, you know, we, we try and do to measure the outcome of, you know, what we're trying to do on our people as well as how well the systems have been adopted is we have a certain role that's, you know, change, comms and training. We have a whole department for that. And on any of our programmes, we, we do tend to involve them early on. And uh, we've had like a fantastic, um, you know, sort of carpool kind of, you know, promotion of a product. And it gets a little bit competitive between some of the leaders sometimes. And we and we oh, and it's quite nice to show you that right um, in a playful manner. And we have an interview, you know, promoting the programme from day one. Now, in a lot of our kickoffs, we tend to have them up front um, so they can answer any immediate questions. And I think when we revert back to the kind of psyche of, you know, um, how individuals work, you know, I'm sure Joe's in this place, you know, in this place as well in to say, well, what are we actually delivering to you know how do I actually feel about this you know and and opening up that platform and giving them a voice of how they feel and what they're willing to do and you know actually um you know voicing how this could possibly go wrong you know um is is good information it's all really good information to kind of build in from from the start so when we look at those pieces we really do need to focus on you know, strong leadership, um, are people involved in the process and making that new kind of system and, and that new way of working? Do we have the right new roles and responsibilities, you know, going forward? Have we opened up even more opportunities for our teams? Um, and, and I think kind of the growth mindset is the way forward. So I think all of the methodologies play a part, but again, under, underneath it all, it is about the people and how we work with them and how we deliver that message and how we set up our workshops. That's absolutely key. Fantastic. That's uh, that's really interesting. And, and, and obviously, just with your point there about people, let's talk briefly about uh, the role of mentoring in all of this. I mean, we, we spoke earlier, Joe, you're from the public sector and Saab, you're from the private sector, both with uh, uh, years and years of experience in, in and around change and project management. So how do individuals process and, and problem solve within their roles? And have you got any thoughts on uh, role models? Joe, do we, can we... You okay to pick that up, please? Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so for me, all, all of this really starts with the self, um, because ultimately you can't really influence other people unless you can influence yourself first. And and I think for me, that leadership role is absolutely critical because that sets the tone for everything else. Um, as leaders, we have a responsibility to, uh, as Saab said, to set the culture, to set the behaviours, to set the approach, to create the psychological safety. And if that's not something that you're very familiar with, then Amy Edmondson's book, The Fearless Organisation, is a really great starting point. How do you create uh, an open, supportive, engaging environment that, that allows people to flourish? And if you can do that, you can then enable them to become uh, really uh, successful and deliver in their own specialist way as well. So the, the thing about um, starting with yourself is ensuring that you feel uh, not only safe to be able to, to talk, but also part of it's about being allowed to be vulnerable. Um, and that's saying we don't know all the answers. We sometimes struggle with the, the pressures. Um, we are doubt ourselves in terms of the direction of travel sometimes and some of that authenticity and that openness uh, is really important because if you create that 
as an environment, then others will like, be able to to express that themselves. And then you can deal with those fears and those emotions and those needs. So so Brené Brown's book, Daring Greatly, I think is a really important one for, for as an individual to to think about yourself and how vulnerable you feel sometimes and how you can be open about that to create an environment that then is open to others. Um, Amy Emerson also has some really great resources around team dynamics and team creation. So having created that psychological safety, she's uh, got a book on uh, teaming, teaming for innovation, extreme teaming under, you know, difficult and changing circumstances. And whether, you know, you're in the public sector where you might have perhaps longer and more uh, established teams uh, to work on things or whether you've got a lot of short term changes where you're bringing people together to work collaboratively in a short, uh, impactful way. You need to know the tools and techniques to be able to do that in order to support that team to be set up and to run really quickly and effectively. Uh, and, and then that's about supporting the individuals within that team and understanding who they are, what's what's important to them, what what uh, is uh, their, uh, their particular dynamics so that you can build trust and respect and openness within the team where everybody is valued. I think for me, those are critical starting points. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think there's always times when we, we all doubt ourselves. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who may start new jobs and there's that um, imposter syndrome which, which creeps in. And by all means, I'm sure that could be another podcast or webinar that uh, we, we could do a whole session on. But um, Saab, have you got a, a, a view on, on, on this aspect of things? Absolutely. And I think, um, again, I think Joe's touched on uh, TA a fair bit there. You know, it's about the self and others. How do you work with others and being OK within yourself? When we look at role modelling and mentoring, you know, it does start within yourself, identifying, you know, kind of what what qualities you want to improve, what values do you have versus, you know, what, what values you want to kind of develop over the years is key. And I think that continual learning um, and that want and that hunger right to continually learn is key i think again you know joe's mentioned some brilliant um authors there and I, i've read a few of those you know for me i think really the fundamental idea of a role model is somebody that you look to and really kind of not necessarily look as a hero but like look at their qualities and values and go actually do you know what i i have confidence in that person that if i go to them and that you know i raise an issue we're going to resolve this not to you know in a bullish way or anything like that but actually collectively we will be able to work through this and i have confidence that no problem is you know too big or too small and we'll get through this and i think you know, from a self perspective, there are some really good learnings out there. And I think, you know, the initial kind of, you know, mindset that comes to is Armstrong's organization in the mind, you know, it, it it's really how you are networked within your organization. How well do you actually know your organization and, and really looking within and going, okay, so where do I fit in this? We talk about the person within the role and, and then with the organization, you know, in TA and, and it's like, actually, it needs to be the perfect triangle, you know, every, are all lines equal well you're not always going to be in the right role or 
you may not have the right opportunities and actually having that open discussion with your managers and generally kind of mentors around your organization and then also looking for mentors outside your organization is absolutely key the other piece is around you know improving the way that um, how do I work well with you know um, all these members well there's a book called uh, by Anita Mountain and Chris Davidson which is about working together and that really hones in on you know um, the different kind of cultures and the way that you work and techniques and and traps. so there are some techniques the softer techniques that are mentioned in that book around pieces of that and then when you're facilitating workshops and you know kind of pulling together some key um, areas like I've just said you know the as is mapping the as is world um, there's a book by uh, Gray Brown which is about um, game storming. So there are, this is just a book full of techniques that you can possibly use within any of your projects. Um, and it's, it's a great go-to guide within um, to, to, to actually have a look at those pieces. Now, if you're working in an organization that is more reactive, there's a book called The Anxious Organization by Jeffrey Miller. And I love that book because I think it, it brings, it talks about the hot potato and the six second vacations that um, you, know, you can have, that there are times when you do need to you know, go into some difficult discussions and team discussions, and you need to just take a step back uh, and bring back what Jay was saying, that positive, positive kind of next step. How do we work through this? Because no problems, um, you know, anything that we can't resolve. So I think that there are a number of areas and organisations do promote um, having mentors and um, having a look at your next step. And I think it's really important that as an individual, you know what it is that you are looking for um, within yourself to improve and be able to articulate that um, because people want to help and people want to drive change, not just within the organisation, but as an individual and grow people. And no organisation will ever, you know, look at somebody that's great and, and actually just stop their development. You know, we'll, they'll keep developing them as an individual. And it's really important that you look towards that progressive kind of person and go, who will help me grow um, as an individual and take me to the next level and help me get better at what I do. And it's not always about climbing the ladder either. It's sometimes looking sideways and looking at those skill sets that, you know, we're not all perfect at, but we can tweak. Fantastic. Thank you, Saab. And um, you're, you're right with regards to mentoring. We've certainly in some research APM conducted recently had a lot of calls and feedback from our members uh, to ask for uh, more support around mentoring. So at the beginning of the year, we set up a, uh, a mentoring platform and we've seen uh, huge growth with uh, both mentors and mentees. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that my understanding is that uh, when someone is at a chartered status, it is very much about giving back to the uh, to the community and uh, um, I think that that's a, a fantastic way to uh, to move forward. So, if anyone's interested in that, do do check out the uh, the website. Um, I'm conscious of time, so I've only got uh, um, I think one question left, and then I just want to get your your guys' take with regards to some recommendations because there's a lot of resources and books that uh, you've you've already kind of tapped into, and we'll we'll get onto that in a moment. But probably my my final question really is just to to find out your views really on some of the un, uh, unsaid aspects that the uh, methodologies don't actually teach you. Um, should we go to Saab and then Joe, if that's okay? Sure. So I think for me, creating that autonomy 
yeah, within your teams and actually setting out your, your sort of um, how you expect you know what your contract is with your team so you know i often say you know i'm not going to clock watch i'm not going to you know just i just want you to be open honest and, and raise issues um, you have the autonomy to play if, if we work with a process that does not work in this context speak to me we'll, we'll absolutely work um, to try a new way and i will support them through that so creating that environment to give them the autonomy and the authority and the permissions to have a play and work freely within an environment to met to do a deliverable is absolutely key um you know it's that trusted place it's it's creating the one team mentality it's creating that kind of space to embrace change right every day you know you can embrace change and there's no black and white there is this gray space that we are playing in and giving them the space with without too much restrictions on time and 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 i know time is always a difficult one right because you you are working towards a goal but giving them that space to think play and build relationships but then also you know bringing that fun element of you know, making sure that they don't have any outside noise and that they are absolutely focused is, I think, for me, um, the unsaid. But the list is endless. I'm sure Joe, Joe will touch on loads more um, to that. And I think two people will never deliver the same. I think that that's that. I'd love to test this theory out at some point. <laughs> Thanks, Saab. I think uh, I think Saab's really cut to the heart of it there, um, which is. The, the, the methodologies and the um, uh, the approaches to say setting up the teams or to, to to running programs or projects tend to be very formulaic. But actually, ultimately, we deliver. We're working with individuals, we're individual people with individual sets of talents and interests and passions and capabilities. Um, and that thing about creating sort of autonomy is about understanding each individual. What is it they're passionate about? What do they care about? What are they naturally good at? and shape the role around the individual, not the other way around. Because if you if you shape the role around the person and you play to their strengths and you support their development um, and you give them the autonomy and you give them a clear purpose that they've sort of signed up to and bought in with, they will do amazing things. And you don't need to then sort of do all of the sort of like the oversight and management and stuff because they will they will just go off and 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 deliver um because they believe in it they're able to do it you've given them the tools and the skills to be able to do it and that's how change will really happen uh and and the flow of um uh success will really come from that and and for me the starting point with that is leading by example and, and that's about knowing yourself. Are you in the right place doing the right thing? Are you, uh, do you have the autonomy? Do you have that keen sense of purpose? Are you doing something you're really passionate about? Because you can't instill it in others if you don't have it yourself. So, so for me, the thing about uh, all of this and, and all of the change kind of elements is start with yourself, look inside. Are you happy with where you are and what you're doing? And are you passionate? And do you have autonomy? And do you have the skills needed to do it? Do you love what you do? Can you infuse that love into others? Um, because if not, then that's the place to start. And that's the place to start for yourself and then to support others with. And that's not in the methodologies. Brilliant. Okay, so 
in wrapping up, if for, for, for people who are listening to this, is there um, what what do you want people to take away from listening to this session? Is there any any kind of real key takeaways? Any uh, any resources, books, articles, websites that you would recommend? And by all means, we can get those uploaded into the uh, into the, uh, the, the the podcast itself. Um, Saab, over to you. I think for me, it's let's think outside the box. Think of what change you are bringing every single day and look at the why you're doing it. You know, is it bringing passion to Joe's point? Do you enjoy what you're doing? And if not, then let's relook at that. Brilliant. Okay. What about some books? I think you've mentioned a couple uh, there. Um, I think Game Storming was one. Was that uh, Grey Brown? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Working together by Anita Mountain. And who was the, was it the Anxious Organisation, if I'm right? Was that one? The Anxious Organisation is a great read, Geoffrey Miller. Wonderful, thank you. And Joe, um, if we could go over to you, please. Yeah, so so for me, the starting point with your own journey is uh, look, perhaps looking at uh, Brené Brown's work around Daring Greatly, because that's about understanding yourself and your motivations and feeling getting into a, a, a place where you're comfortable being vulnerable uh, and and being authentic with others and taking that risk. And I think that's really critical thing. And then talking about the team and how you support the team to uh, enable them. So Dan Pink's book, Drive, uh, is all about team motivation and how you shape the role around um, the individual. Um, and then there's uh, Amy Edmondson's work around the fearless organisation, creating psychological safety, her books around teaming, teaming for innovation and extreme teaming. That's all really great stuff. Uh, and then in terms of understanding your um, uh, uh, the, the wider organisation and uh, the customers and the end users, uh, there's some really great stuff uh, from uh, Dr. Tammy Watchorn's written a book called The Change Ninja. And that's about, and it's quite a fun uh, interactive book that helps you, it. <laughs> yeah, helps you understand um, different choices and the impact of different choices and, and therefore gets you to think about how you might approach this ahead of time so, to achieve some really great outcomes and get some great engagement. Uh, Melanie Franklin's work around agile change uh, agent and agile change coach and thinking about the, the change manager as the coach rather than uh, as, as somebody who is um, pushing or delivering. It's about how you engage with others around that. Uh, and, uh, and as uh, Saab has mentioned, uh, so Tim Creasy's written some books for ProSci, but also we, there's some great models and methods to support uh, that change process. But ultimately, Simon Sinek's work start with why. Why Why are you doing this? What are you passionate about? Um, how can you articulate that for yourself, for others, so that when you start this journey, you've got a really important and, and passionate way of being able to convey it. And that's the thing that's going to get people to come along with you. Yeah. If I may just add another couple of books on that one, you know, as Joe's speaking, I, I remember reading Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh, yes. That, that was fantastic, classic mm. um, <laughs> fundamentals. Um, the Armstrong Organization in Mind. 
um, that that that's a fantastic background read um, if you get time. It's a very small book, but again, it goes into you know how um, you can distill the psyche into you know really understanding the organisation you're in. You know, leadership teams coaching by Peter Hawkins, and then the one that actually didn't crop up until. Joe mentioned about dynamic teams was the group dynamics for high risk teams by Amy um, Farah. That is a fantastic small little book and probably is really good to read over a weekend. Um, that goes into, you know, how do you create those high risk teams? But again, uh, you know, the topic of this whole conversation is, that, you know, it's all about people and how you create those teams um, it really does depend on the environments that you um, work within. And I think there was one, Joe. you mentioned it earlier on, uh, our dear friend uh, Carol Osterweil. Yes, yes. And that, that's really all around neuroscience for project and change management. And uh, that's just coming out. So uh, that's definitely one to look into to understand how how people work so that you can work better with people. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Joe Saab. I think we could have uh, chatted for, 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 for another hour, but uh, that was really, really interesting. I, I've certainly learned a lot and taken a lot away from this. I'm sure our listeners have, and um, um, I'll look forward to, uh, to working with you again in the, in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to Joe and Saab for taking time out to join Gavin in conversation and to you for listening. If this episode has inspired you to find out more about leading change or the science behind teams' behaviour, a full reading list is available in the episode description, where you'll find links to the books recommended by Joe and Saab. If you have any comments, feedback or suggestions, please contact us at apmpodcast at thinkpublishing.co.uk. This podcast has been brought to you by APM, the Chartered Body for the Project Profession. For more information, visit apm.org.uk.